Hello, everyone, and welcome to the BuckyCast. This is Will, uh, back from vacation, joined with John and Rob. Uh, guys, it's good to be back. Hope you've been well. Uh, John, how you doing? <sighs> I'm, I'm finally starting to breathe again. The end of summer gets really busy, especially when you have kids. And this summer is no exception. I'm really looking forward here to drinking my, my warm beer and uh, just uh, getting in some sports talk. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Rob? The exact same. It's, it's time to come up for, for air. I, uh, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but I am also the PTA president. So there's about 15 things going on next Ooh. week that I'm trying to arrange in addition to working. And so tonight I get to enjoy a beer and talk about the Badgers. So a little time to come up for air tonight. Will, you right. left your job just in time to avoid the craziness <laughs> associated with the uh, end yeah. of August, beginning of September. Yeah, I feel really guilty now. I was about to say I'm kind of exhausted coming back from vacation this week, but I think I'm going to just leave it at that and not go into the details of how tired I was today. So anyway, let's well, get in honor, our... in honor of your honeymoon, <laughs> I, I watched Lord of the Rings. There you go. <laughs> One thing I will, yeah, I will say this real quick. For anyone that's watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, obviously, you know, New Zealand, expensive trip. You have to, if Taylor didn't work at Epic, this wouldn't have been able to happen. Uh, you just go through that country and then you watch Lord of the Rings again, which you did on the way home, and you just see it all over the place. It was so cool. Anyway, moving on to our beer roundtable. You guys have already both mentioned the beers you're having. Um, I am not having one. When I was uh, when I got home earlier today, I just kind of sat down on the on the couch a little bit and immediately fell asleep. So I feel like once this is done, I'm going to bed. So I don't want any alcohol in my system. So let's get to you guys. John, what do you have? Well, we'll be up all night long. Um, I am having, because thankfully it's Oktoberfest season again, and I'm cycling through all of my favorite local Wisconsin craft breweries, uh, Oktoberfest offerings. And tonight I've got New Glarus's Staghorn. Um, it's, you know, again, Marzins are, they're pretty, they're, for the most part, they're pretty normal. They're very malty, easy drinking beers. Um, they can have a little bit of a kick to them, depending on how crazy people want to get. But it's that time of year. It's time for Marzins, called that because they're laid down in March to be ready to dr be drunk at the fall harvest. And also it's time for pumpkin beers which, you know, of, of fruity beers, which I'm actually starting to gain a little appreciation for. Uh, pumpkin beers were the only one that was acceptable to me a few years ago when I was being very snooty about what I was drinking. But they're just so darn good. Anyway, Rob, go. I am going with the Stevens Point Brewery Hazy Pebbles Fruity Hazy Milkshake IPA. And I chose this one because the label was... Looked like Fruity Pebbles. So that's why I chose <laughs> Funny story about that beer. Um, I just had that. I was at the Great Taste of the Midwest uh, last weekend. And I made my... so much. <laughs> What's that? That's, I, used to, I went to that a couple of summers in a row. I have a buddy that worked for a company. I always got me tickets. I haven't been there a couple of years. So COVID, obviously. That's such a great event. But continue. Sorry. It is fantastic. But I had my buddy go back. We had that beer at their tent. And I was, I was fairly impressed. I didn't drink the whole thing because we were an hour in and they were already over serving us. So I had to kind of, dump, 
I had to kind of dump two thirds of it out because they give you a big glass, the great taste of the Midwest, and they then proceed to fill it up halfway, which is, you know, it, it's essentially, a, if we're saying a full pour is like 16 ounces, these are, they're, they're giving us a good eight to 10. And I'm like, there's only so much beer you can drink at a beer tasting festival before you're completely hammered. So I didn't want to do that. We had a birthday party to go to. So we were dumping out beer left and right while we were trying to still sample everything adequately. I'm sorry, I derailed your whole uh, beer there with my Great Taste of the Midwest story. No, I was pretty much done. I, I will say I just took my first sip of it and it's probably one of the best IPAs I've had. It's pretty darn good. Milkshake IPAs are pretty good. Yeah. All right, on to some sports talk. We're gonna get off with uh, Wisconsin football first. Um, just a couple updates from camp. We had a couple relatively minor injuries, uh, starting left tackle or projected left tackle. Uh, Jack Nelson had a thumb thumb injury. It seems like he'll be out uh, for a little bit. Guys, you, are you worried about that one too much? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> if he comes in and he plays like Tyler Beach did last year at left tackle, then I'm going to worry. But you don't really need – opposable thumbs are not a requirement for playing left tackle. Okay. So um, I'm I'm not incredibly worried. At worst, he wears a club. Okay, that's that's optimistic. Yeah, and then obviously we heard uh, Braylon Allen was a little dinged up, but UW already released it was a minor injury just for precaution's sake, which I would argue is fair. I don't think Allen needs a ton of extra reps at this point. He'll get plenty uh, of those. Do you, think, do you think there's any minor season. injuries when it comes to Braylon Allen? I think that he had a minor injury last year and it affected him in the last couple of games. So I, I would prefer that he stay as healthy as possible. Um, I did predict last week that he was going to rush for 2000. So it's not going to happen if he's uh, even dinged up a little bit. So not yeah, he's he... got a hangnail wrap him in bubble wrap. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's only practice for God's sake. He doesn't even need that. I'm sorry. Will please continue. No, you're good. You're good. So for some quick, kind of intriguing recruiting news, uh, Rob, why don't you take this one? Yeah, it appears that Ashton Sanders decided to decommit from Cal. Uh, so I, I have the feeling that he's one of those players that kind of just wants to go around and see as much as he can of different schools. He's a little unsure, I think, of what he really wants. And so while I like the idea of Wisconsin grabbing another defensive lineman, especially one of his quality, I'm hesitant at this point for UW to get back into the mix until we know for sure that Sanders is comfortable with where he wants to go and is ready to make a true decision. Gotcha. Gotcha. That was actually kind of my, my next question. Like this guy's a good player. We do have two D line commits already. You know, John, if, if it was up to you, would you, would you take this guy right away if you want to come to Wisconsin tomorrow? Will, that's a silly question. I would take everyone. <laughs> everyone the class is almost full <laughs> I don't, yeah, Jacob, somebody will leave um no uh in all seriousness um ashton sanders is kind of a i, I don't want to say he's a luxury because it would be nice to have a complete set of defensive linemen in this recruiting class but he's not an absolute drop dead need we don't need him more than we need say a quarterback or a tight end if they do get back in the hunt for him and there was one crystal ball on uh, 247 Sports, but it had a very, very low confidence level of him going to Wisconsin. Um, at this point, I would say, 
you know, if, if he wants to stay out on the West Coast, he's obviously going to wind up going to a bigger school. It all depends on who offers him. Uh, so in the end, I think Wisconsin is, doesn't need him. But if he wants to come back over and, you know, visit for a game and, and maybe, you know, commit then, I wouldn't refuse him. And last football tidbit, it is the start of the high school football season in Wisconsin, which is always a fun time. I mean, watching football is, is fun regardless of it's high school, college, or pro. A uh, couple um, updates we can provide concerning Wisconsin players. The One of the two running back commits for Wisconsin in this class, Nate White, scored five touchdowns in what I think was a 57 and nothing win tonight. That's pretty good. I didn't score any touchdowns in my uh, athletic career. I don't know about you guys, but five and one night's pretty impressive. And then uh, our 2024 offer of Sam Piloff. Piloff. Do you guys know what which one that is actually? For now, we'll go with Piloff. Okay. If it's Piloff. wrong, then they can sue us or something. Yeah. I guess we, we apologize if that's wrong. Uh, 2024 linebacker out of Middleton is playing tonight. I am refreshing my feed here. No other updates, but he's, he's one that has a decently good offer list and would like him to stay at home. Apparently, uh, Mark D'Onofrio's son plays for uh, Middleton as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. The new linebacker's coach. Um, what did the tweets say? He was a safety? I believe so, yeah. And then one more thing to add. Uh, John, where are you guys going to be tomorrow? Rob and I We'll be going to the Catholic Memorial versus Franklin uh, high school football game tomorrow night. We're going to check out uh, Catholic Memorials. Got uh, Donovan Harbor and Corey Smith. I know Franklin is um, is Miles Burkett's um, alma mater. I don't know of any prospects from that team. I know there's another, and I can't remember his name because the 2025 prospect. I haven't memorized all those yet. But they also have another offensive tackle who's pretty good on the Catholic Memorial roster. So it'll be interesting to watch that um, very talented bunch. And uh, if anyone recognizes us, which I doubt, but if you do say hi or flash us a W or say go Badgers or flash us an L on your forehead. If you really, you know, <laughs> if, if you don't like what you hear, uh, we're, we're flexible. Any recognition. Take all forms always. of feedback. Yes, that's right. We're open. On to basketball. Uh, UW wrapped up their trip to France, won a perfect 4-0. Obviously not a situation where the Badgers are, you know, playing their starters or projected starters, you know, mid-season minutes, trying to get some guys as, as more minutes that they might usually get. John, did you have anything that kind of caught your eye or, or kind of stuck out to you at all? Uh, the one thing that really stuck out to me about that whole basketball trip was number one, uh, it's really hot in France. And number two, their yes. gyms are not great. So we're going to have to uh, wait and see what happens there uh, in terms of like how that affected the team. Evidently, they got food poisoning at some point on the trip. Oh, no. It was a rumor I heard. But anyway, you know, the, the thing that really stood out to me was that um, Jordan Davis and Connor Asijian were really... Um, stepping up and, and stepping out in terms of being outside shooters for the team. In fact, the Badgers as a team shot it really well from the outside. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm, I'm excited by that development. Uh, we'll see what happens with, again, they, they didn't blow anybody away. 
there was no one that they just ran the doors off of them. It was just sort of a, I'm going to play my first team and I'm going to play my second team kind of thing for Greg Gard. And as a result, the Badgers didn't really play how they would truly play in a game. And you didn't get a real sense for, you know, who are the, who are going to be the top subs or anything like that. It was just sort of played as a first half, second half kind of game. As it should be. Uh, yeah, I agree. I Connor's kind of shooting or, you know, shot making kind of intrigued me. There was a couple of highlights you saw and that was kind of not something I would expect a, uh, a freshman who was just in high school a couple months ago to do in, a, in his first kind of live action. So that was fun to see. Um, as, as you said, there's seemingly pretty good shooting going on. So that would be a refreshing, refreshing difference from, from some parts of last season. Uh, Rob, what about you? Anything that, that intrigued you from the, uh, from the France trip? Yeah, I think you guys are spot on. The, the, you, if you watch these games or, or listen to these games and you were trying to look for the strategy that Guard's going to use this year, I think you're missing the point. This is obviously uh, Guard was trying to get everybody to play. He's getting them to gel together. And I think that's the encouraging thing is the number of players that scored really well throughout the, the entire trip. Yes. I know the 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 competition maybe wasn't as as high level as as we're gonna see eventually, but I think just it's very encouraging from where I thought the team was gonna be to really see them be as aggressive and score as well as they did overall. I think from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I will also add: uh, Chris Hodges had some numbers and some highlights that I wasn't really quite expecting. I, I don't know if, if he is going to have significant minutes this year, although he might have to just based on our center depth. I, I'm pretty um, sure he's going to have to. Yeah. There's, there's not a question anymore. <laughs> uh, but if, if he does play more minutes than I thought he would, I, he did some things, at least in the highlights that we saw and based on the, the, the box sheets that we were given that I was like, you know what, that's, that's something. So we'll, we'll take what we can get. Yeah, honestly, before this trip, I was worried he was another big that was kind of just taking up space on the team as a couple we've had a couple of times now um, in the past. But I was really encouraged by the intensity that he played with. I mean, he was he was throwing people around and really being physical. So that was that was encouraging to see. There's also a I think it's if I remember correctly, John, this is the first UW sporting event this year. As far as I know, I should, I've, I've been saying that and I should honestly check and make sure that the men's soccer team hasn't already played a game. Uh, I don't think they have. I think this women's soccer match going on as we speak is the first uh, fall sporting event. And it's Wisconsin versus TCU, number seven TCU in Texas right now. So you can bet they're all sweating their butts off. Uh, right now, it looks like we're, we're live updating this right now. Uh, with 89 minutes gone in the match, uh, there is still no score. There's 58 seconds left in the game, and TCU is down a player. They got a red card. So, uh, first of all, Rob, it's a match, not a game. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Come on, let's get our terminology <laughs> correct here. <laughs> 58 seconds left in the match, and uh, they're playing down a player, but they are really, really aggressive. If I remember correctly, is TCU is decently highly ranked, aren't they? Number seven in the country. Okay. Way to go, women's soccer. There we go. Well, if they could if they can pull out a tie in this game, 
uh, in this match. I did it too. Darn Thank it. you. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, don't don't <laughs> wag your finger at me, sir. Uh, if they can pull this out as a tie, that's almost a win for them in terms of playing a top 10 team in their first match of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a tie is as good as a win. They won't tell you that, but I I think so. Be a promising showing. For all, all of right. us, all of the English majors out there, John, I say I bite my thumb at you, sir. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Come on. Shakespeare reference. My goodness. All right. So uh, next, we got some updates concerning just huge amounts of money. Uh, so the, the first thing is that we're all the... going to give away to you listeners. No. <laughs> so if you've That's been listening, you've... no. Yeah. Hey, Man. real quick, the game is over. It's a tie, zero zero. All right, extra time, extra time, right? Extra time, extra right. time. Uh, they're walking off the field, so I don't think there's any extra time. <laughs> oh, like no okay. extra time? Are you sure uh, maybe maybe in college break? there's no extra time. We need to we need to bring I'm a soccer sure expert on. I'm pretty sure if it's tied, they have to do at least some extra or an time. overtime like maybe? or something. I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah, we're new to this game. In case you can't tell, people. <laughs> All right, so the Big Ten has struck a deal with a combination of CBS, NBC, and Fox for a total of $8 billion you pay to school. So first of all, what, what does that number mean to you guys? Let's just talk about that for a second. Well, $8 billion is a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> over a seven-year contract. Yeah. Let's just <laughs> let's, let's make that clear right off the bat. Cash the check. So many, so many intricate parts to this deal. I mean, first of all, it's genius to again sign a shorter term deal because now the Big Ten's media rights will expire again before the SECs do, mm-hmm. which means that once again, the Big Ten is going to be able to set the market. And depending on expansion, who they add, who they don't add, uh, you could be looking at a significantly larger sum. Uh, there's so many permutations of this. There's many rumors going around that the four major schools in the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford would all be introduced into the Big Ten. And then they could open up a fourth time slot. They already have Fox for the 11 a.m. game. They have CBS for 2.30 and then NBC for primetime. They could conceivably have a fourth time slot around nine or 10 o'clock for you know, what, what is currently packed Pac-12 or Pac-10 after dark, it would become essentially Big Ten after dark. Um, And that would probably increase the package just a little bit more. They could market that to ESPN, whoever they want to. Speaking of which, the big news coming out of this, no Big Ten games on ESPN, at least for the foreseeable future. And that is maybe some non-conference games, but that is a huge, huge loss for ESPN. I mean, that was one of their major one of their major um, players was having oh, yeah. having those 11 a.m. Big Ten games on. They don't have that anymore. And there's a lot of debate now. Uh, you can go on Twitter or, you know, just search on Google and you'll see debates about this all over the place as to who that hurts more, the Big Ten or ESPN. Because at the same time, you're not present on the quote-unquote worldwide leader in sports, the people who sort of have set the, the tone and the agenda for college football for the past three decades. So but don't you think, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 continue. I guess my, my initial question is, 
the games that would have been on ESPN, right? If they were big enough there, don't you think those games, now that they have these three time slots for these three major markets, like wouldn't a game that was big enough to be on ESPN probably end up being on Fox or CBS anyway? Like games that wouldn't have been on ESPN would have been a Big Ten network anyway, right? Or, or, or do we think there might have been some overlap here that they actually might miss out? Well, first off, you're adding two more teams into the mix. So conceivably, oh, yeah, you have fair. as many as eight. You could have, you have as many as eight games to to show on TV. This mm-hmm. deal is broken up all over the place. So you've got three major games. We'll call them tier one, two, and three. Uh, and evidently, like those games, are, there's going to be a draft held by the networks as to who gets the rights to each one of those, which I think is the coolest concept I've ever heard of. Like you might actually get people to watch that on mm-hmm. TV or on the internet if they wanted to. But anyway, um, so you'll have, you'll have that it going down. So there's three out of the eight games right there, but then you have to have time on BTN, FS1, potentially Peacock 2 for eight of those games. They, you're you're going to have it all spread out on multiple networks. Now that means maybe more saturation. You're also competing directly against the SEC and any other conferences, because really now it, it's yeah. only the SEC um, that is a, a competitor at this point. And I mean, I, I think this hurts ESPN more because they they are going to have to talk about these games. This isn't just happening in a vacuum. Uh, but yeah, there's ESPN being left out is a huge part of this. And I think we talked about it last week with when Ryan Herrings was on the show about ESPN just, you know, has been so powerful in this industry. And now, you know, Fox is sort of essentially stepping, stepping up and sort of creating more interference for them. And the real winners out of this are NBC because all they had was Notre Dame, which is a nice thing to have, but now you've got, now you've got the big 10 in prime time and they evidently plan to build a whole Saturday night football show around that game and market that with the Notre Dame games in the afternoon or evening. So NBC is going to make a huge production out of this. We'll see if it takes, but they did a really good job with Sunday night football. Um, I can only imagine they'll have the same, roughly the same people working on it. People forget Kevin Warren's background within the NFL. And the more I watch these, um, these uh, negotiations go on, the more I feel like it's just going to be expansion until the Big Ten is a mini NFL. And whether that's 24, 28, 30, or 32 teams, I don't know. But You, you know, I think that I, I was hesitant when Kevin Warren came on board as to what was going to happen, how he was going to do with the Big Ten. But I have to tell you, I think this negotiation for this deal was, was brilliant for a couple of things that you already mentioned, John. Number one, he has already publicly said, we still have room to negotiate other aspects of the contract, which means again, they can add that fourth time zone or the fourth game for a different time zone. Uh, they could bring on partners for niche kind of things. And, and more importantly, we have the seven year, the, the deal is only for seven years. So just think about this for a second. If UCLA and USC come on board and I don't know how, what the share is going to be that they get, but let's say with their cachet, they get a full share who's to say that two years down the road, we're not already getting people chomping at the bit to go ahead and join. Um, or at the very least at the seven year mark, we have more people chomping at the bit to join 
before while well, the SEC is still locked into a deal with ESPN, if you have a choice of joining the SEC and and maybe getting a piece of the pie or joining the Big Ten and seeing what USC and UCLA just got, um, I'm guessing you're probably going to jump at the seven-year mark with um, with the Big Ten vice waiting for the SEC if you're a higher-end name in, in the college football uh, arena. So I just think the negotiations on this were, were really brilliant. Um, to your question of the number, uh, I think – I think, I think um, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think it comes out to a little bit less than people were expecting each of the, t- each of the schools to make. Well, there, right? was, there was pie in the sky talk with being $100 million per school. Right. And it's clearly not going to be that. They didn't negotiate a deal that delivers $1.6 billion uh, every year. So it's going to be a smaller amount. It's still a ton of money. Yeah. Will, so, what are your thoughts? You've been, kind of, you've been quiet on this one. Uh. It's just, it's a lot of money. I mean, <laughs> as, as, as it has been mentioned, I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of just intrigued to see how, how it works out. Like one thing I kind of thought about earlier today is like growing up, you know, waking like Saturday mornings, you know, watch, watch whatever the, the main big 10 game is on, on ESPN. And then you watch the big SEC game on CBS and whatever, like the national game was, you'd watch it that night. And, and now it's like, well, I can just go Big Ten, Big Ten, Big Ten. Yep. Not that, not that I, you know, want to watch the SEC here, but so it's kind of, I'm kind of excited to see how the format's going to be, you know, just my viewing schedule. Um, but I think kind of, Rob, to your point, it, it, it definitely sends a message in terms of like future expansion. Like I think the, uh, the Big Ten kind of put itself in a really nice spot and it, 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 Anyone who I think, anyone who might have held out for a hope that expansion might kind of be done, like there's there's no way, like nope. this is, this is just not going to happen. No, and the the scary part is the Big Ten is just delaying. They essentially gave the ACC a stay of execution, yeah. unless the SEC does something big and invites you know half of the ACC to join, which they could do. You know, Greg Sankey's got to have a response to this. He says he's comfortable. He, you know, he's not. He's not. Um, no. They are making, by with their television deal, half of what the Big Ten is per year. Uh, I think I, I saw a tweet earlier today that threw up the numbers, and the Big Ten is making more capital per year off this money deal than and the NHL is. Wow. Uh, they are, like I said, they've doubled up the SEC, and uh, they are close to $500 million ahead of the NHL. Uh, so it's the three major pro sports, the NFL, um, there's uh, there's Premier League Soccer, I think, and then uh, the NBA and Major League Baseball. And then trailing MLB by like 500, half a billion dollars is the Big Ten. And if they add the right teams and it says the deal is as successful as we think it could be, that one point one roughly billion dollars a year is going to skyrocket upwards by a few hundred million if the if they can if the networks can work out a way to make it profitable for all of them especially with four time slots available if they add the right teams they'll inject even more fan bases it's really it's it's breathtaking if you sit and think about it i mean you know for for half for half again as much money would an sec team conceivably bold jump yeah 
I mean, it's got to, you've got to talk about that in the picture now because you've got schools like, you know, if, if the ACC were to dissolve and Florida State Miami joined the SEC, is Florida going to want to be one of three Florida schools in the SEC or the only Florida school in the Big Ten? Texas A&M, the same thing. I would imagine the SEC would have to draw in another Texas school, maybe Baylor. And, um, you know, does Texas A&M want to be just one of several schools from Texas in the SEC or the only Texas school in the Big Ten? I mean, that's something they've got to think about for a whole ton more money and more exposure. So it'll be fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I think kind of last tidbit here, more Wisconsin-centered. Chris McIntosh thing, and he was in a tweet I saw. I said this was a coincidence. If it is, I'm not really sure, but we'll we'll trust the guy. It is uh, not but the, <laughs> the UW athletic system uh, proposed to the budget of a new $300 million practice facility that would be essentially based on a picture I saw, like a quick rendition. It would be where like the shell is right now. Rob, would it be fair to say this is something that? the UW football team slash UW athletics kind of needs at this point? Yeah, I think so. Not only is it needed, but I believe uh, from things that I've heard, they may already be talking about it to recruits. So I think that this is, um, this is needed because as we, uh, I'm going to let John go on his rant because this is, uh, the, the, the facility that we have right now is ridiculous compared to the one that they're talking about building. So uh, I, I am, I, I, I think I saw some of the renditions you were, I'm kind of curious to see a little bit more how that plays out. It seems like a really crowded one block area right now. Uh, but, uh, I, I'm going to turn this over to John because he's got some things to say about the facility. <laughs> I actually didn't, you were doing a marvelous job. If you're going to turn it, turn it over to me, I'm going to climb on my soapbox, put on my uh, ranting hat <laughs> and just rant away. This was desperately needed. I've been in the shell. And uh, things in 1988 were very different for the University of Wisconsin football team than they are now in 2022. The shell was not made to be able to kick or punt inside of. It's not a full 100-yard football field with end zones. It's about 60 yards. It is an inferior practice facility in every sense of the word. If Northwestern is building a better practice facility than we are, there's something seriously wrong. And so finally, with this massive cash injection right into their veins. The athletic department summoned up the courage to say to the, to the UW uh, budget board that they want to go ahead with this project. And they're going to be paying for it mostly with cash. About $180 million worth of that will be cash. The other $120 million will be loans, which they can obviously afford to pay off very, very quickly now. It's, it really looks like a nice facility. Um, it's, I, I think they're going to, they have a track inside of the shell. They're going to move that to the McLean Center, which is next door. And they're just going to create a fully functional football facility with a practice field inside of it to a height of 90 feet. There's going to be, you know, training facilities. There's going to be a new weight room, which they desperately need because right now I believe their, um, their nutrition uh, area for lack of a better term, I'll just call it what it is. It's the table, the food table. It sits right in between the two segments of the weight room, which, you know, is not ideal when you're a strength and conditioning coach trying to yes. monitor what's going on in your entire uh, weight room. If there's a big, you know, thing full of eats in the way, it's not helping. 
So the weight room will get its own dedicated space. The nutritional aspects of the program will get their own space. I'm assuming that there's going to be, I can't remember off the top of my head, if there's going to be a sports medical facility in there, I'm assuming there will be. The museum, aren't they, aren't they moving the museum the, yep, over They're moving the, yeah. uh, the Hall of Fame, which isn't really a museum. It's not, uh, it's just plaques on the wall, yeah. the, on the yeah, side of cool. the wall. <laughs> but they're going to move that inside this practice facility. They're also going to move um, some, there's something else they're moving in there. I think they're going to have to eat up a little bit more of the green space in uh, Camp Randall. There's all sorts of things that have to go through, though, because the McLean Center and the Shell are both old enough to be considered for the National Historical Register <clears throat> as historical buildings. So to tear down the Shell, they have to have permission from the State Historical Society. To build on Camp Randall grounds, they have to have the permission of the Veterans Affairs Department because they're the ones who run Camp Randall. Mm-hmm. as an overall um as an i'll overall... make some calls what's that i'll make some calls i'll talk to my veteran make some calls. <laughs> thank you rob 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 bringing the military aspect we'll have to I'm, uh i'm disappointed there's no lsu lazy river yeah <laughs> not having that maybe they'll have the sleep pods though yeah everybody's yeah. got to have yeah. the sleep pods that's a good idea. Uh, maybe they, you know what, they could honestly afford uh, if they wanted to with $80 million a year, if they wanted to create a lazy river and flood it full of Gatorade, they could do that. You know, the players just float around drinking copiously from the river until they realize everyone's, you know, peeing in it. But anyway, yeah, no, I've been begging for this facility ever since I found out it was an actual practical idea. And honestly, I've been begging for it since before then because the shell just wasn't it's been obvious for like 10 or 15 years now that the shell was not impressing anybody and as, as it rightly should not. So as a, as a major top 25 university, it was, it's court, it was kind of an embarrassment yeah. to be perfectly honest. And I know a lot of normal fans don't really care, but it makes the major makes fans yeah. and it makes a huge difference in recruiting. Oh yeah, definitely recruiting. So if, if I understand, if, if, and please tell me if I misspeak here. So there's the, this center, this new fa- practice facility. And then haven't we also heard that the basketball team facilities are getting upgraded as well? Well, they're getting upgraded right now. And that was something that was right already, now. yeah, in the works. But I mean, who knows? The Cole Center is, it was built in 1998. So it's, while it's younger than the shell, there could be work done on it still. I don't know. Maybe they'll just take all that money and rebuild um, the uh, Bree Stevens Field, add on some stuff there. I don't, I really honestly don't know what their plans are. Here's the deal: you win it, you win a championship, you get new facilities. Volleyball team, you're up. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> all right, and with that, we're gonna call it a night. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, follow us on the Bucky Cast. Uh, hope you all have a great weekend. Peace out, people. See you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Bucky cast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time on Wisconsin.